This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Before we dive into today's episode with Krista, make sure you take a moment to download my free guide, 55 Ways to Feel Better in Your Body Without Another Diet. I truly believe that every relationship we have starts with the relationship we have with ourselves. Self-love, that's where it's at. So grab this list and pick one of the things, one of the items to practice this week. There's no order to do it in, just whichever one speaks to you the most. And as you start to implement these practices into your life, I just know you're going to start to feel the most incredible shifts in every direction. All right, to grab that guide, click the link down in the show notes, and now let's dive in. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Holy shit. I'm having a holy shit moment. Krista freaking Williams is sitting across from me. She is the OG of OGs when it comes Mm -hmm. to podcasts and wellness and healing and spirituality. I am so honored to have you here today. You've been on my dream list of guests. Mm. And, you know, the moment that you walked up, I was like, this is, it just felt so easy. Mm. And, you know, when you've imagined something for so long and visualized it for so long, and then the moment, the the moment (laughs) comes and you're just like, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to be here. I have a picture that I'm going to share with you afterwards. I was just about to send you an email and I looked at my computer and it was January 11th at 11, 11. And I was like, hello, here we are. Oh we God. have landed the all best. the signs. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to cry. I just feel like I was thinking right when we were about to record, I was just so grateful. We were laughing and I was just like, I'm just so grateful mm-hmm. that it's the afternoon on a Thursday and I get to sit down with you and talk and we just get to be ourselves and Yeah, it's like even hearing myself reflected back to me is always so interesting because people perceive us as different things. And Mm. I'm always just so fascinated. I'm like, wow, I am that. You know, like I'm like, I am. I didn't even get into it. I mean, podcast host is a label, but you are a healer, you are an empath, you are an an, an intuitive. (laughs) But really, I'm just so grateful to be here, especially to talk about everything we're going to talk about today. I love all your questions, but like I love your podcast because it is such a liberation point for women as it relates to their bodies. And I'm someone that has struggled so much in my life and really never felt like I would be free from the voice that was constant. Like I remember at one point in time in my life, not to get into it, but to get into it. Get into it. Just waking up and being like, this will be the rest of my life that I will struggle with my body and Mm -hmm. how much I weigh and what I look like. And just being like, this cannot be true. Because you're never actually living if that voice is always there. And so to be here with you and be on the other side of it for the most part just feels really, yeah, feels 
incredibly, I feel so grateful. Mm, I've got goosebumps already. So leading up to us getting together Mm -hmm. today, I obviously dove into the Almost 30 podcast a Mm -hmm. little bit more. Mm -hmm. I've obviously listened to it over Mm -hmm. the years. And so what I love to do Mm -hmm. is go back to the very first episode. This is so rude. (laughs) This is honestly, I'm being bullied and punked and like I should probably head out. No, it was so epic. It was so epic and it was so incredible for me as well because I went back to 2016, which nobody was podcasting in no 2016. It was just you girls. Mm-hmm. And you were clearly recording on your phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or in the closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Who mm-hmm. knows where you were? And you girls were interviewing one another. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, this is the perfect place to start because I'm going to learn more about them. The number one thing I remember mm-hmm. from that episode is you two talking about... <laughs> <laughs> it was Deal Breaker, I think, was the game that you were playing. Yes. Yeah, Lin- you asked Lindsay if you pulled down a guy's pants. Like, and you, you and guys- no, I didn't. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> no, it's so good. We have to go here because okay, let's I go. was enamored. Okay, so you asked her if you were dating this guy for a long period of time and you pulled down his pants and he had like shaved everything off, like he was bare to the bone, would that be a deal breaker? And I was like, no wonder these girls have a cult following because from the beginning, you just showed up exactly as you were. And you talk about things that girlfriends talk about behind the scenes that never generally see uh, the light Light of day. day. And now here we are. And And now here we are. It's all out there and your journey has been all out there. So then I'm, I'm listening to this episode and I then fast forward about what, nine years it's been since you first started the podcast. And I listened to a beautiful episode that you did on empaths Mm -hmm. and intuition Mm -hmm. and grounding in and knowing boundaries. And I listened to another beautiful episode where you girls were talking about wealth and God and Mm -hmm. manifestation. And I just want to reflect back to you how incredible it is Mm -hmm. that you showed up so authentically at every stage of the journey We've all been on it. And I'm excited to talk about a course that you have coming up about your voice because mm-hmm. when I listen to the more recent episode, yes, mm-hmm. the studio quality is better, but you are a different person. You're a different woman. Love the 2016 version. Yeah. And also, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of you know, even me cringing, thinking about 2016 version and like being like, oh my God, what was she talking about? She was talking over Lindsay. She wasn't in her body and she was trying too hard and all these things. It's like the journey of self-love is is also loving her and being like, girl, you did something that no one else was doing. You were trying your very best. You were doing everything that you could, even though it was so cringe. So part of my work, because so much of my life is public and online is like, processing my cringe (laughs) and processing all the moments where I'm like embarrassed about who I am and sort of how I showed up. But yeah, it's been quite the process. And, you know, I think I wavered in my authenticity at times, you know, I think there was like more authentic times and not. And it's so interesting because at the beginning, Lindsay and I grew the show because we were just saying whatever we would say with our best friends. And then you get people listening to you. And then when you get people listening to you, you get feedback and then you're scared to say the things that you said. So the process with my voice has been so interesting because at the beginning, 
you know, I'm uncomfortable on a microphone because it's uncomfortable to be on a microphone. Yes. People don't talk about that. It's not natural. It's not natural. It's not normal. I'm trying to be entertaining. I'm trying to like figure this out. And then I'm also getting feedback and I'm like, okay, what do I, how do I process this feedback? How do I be myself? And they don't like that I say this. I say totally too much. I say, hell yeah, too much. I'm, they don't like when I talk about dicks. They don't. And so it's just so much that can make you shut down and lose your voice. Mm-hmm. And so my voice at the beginning was a voice physically that was more in my head, more in my throat and not in my body. And my journey across the past couple of years has been being comfortable enough in my body and in my energy and being regulated and grounded enough to have my voice move from my root through my entire spine and out my voice so that it's actually the true truth of me. Mm-hmm. It's actually like what is true to me, not just like something that's coming from my head. Because a lot of people can just speak from the head, but not from the heart or not even from like the belly in the womb. Mm. I just want to say though, as well, that I think everyone can relate to having these cringe moments, yes. to looking back and yes. being like, oh my God, the things I did yes. when I what was- What I wore, who I was with. Yes, yes, all of it. Like if somebody had had a recorder on me and some of the yeah. conversations that I'd had, I would have so much shame and regret and I've changed and evolved yes. so much. And my hope is for everyone listening that you have too. Isn't that part of being human? Yes, it's part of the process. And what I've learned- you know, in the past couple of years, because the past couple of years have been really trying for me with divorce and illness and my dad's sickness and, you know, journeys that I've been on is like God's timing is so perfect. And so I didn't know what I knew then because that wasn't in the timeline. Like I couldn't have processed everything I've processed in the past couple of years back then. When I was doing cringy stuff, I wouldn't know that I'd regret it later. Like it was just who I was. And you really just have to show up as best you can at the time with what you know and not judge that version. But it's been quite a journey of being someone that has everything out there in the world that people can judge, people can criticize, people can critique because it really reminds you like, having your center and your sense of self and your own back and self-trust is like everything. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. I work with a lot of women and myself included yeah. in times where it feels really hard to know what is your voice versus yeah. someone else's voice and which voice to listen to. I was speaking at an event in December and somebody came up to me and she asked for some advice. And I said, honestly, be you. Like you mm -hmm. are your greatest differentiating factor. You are your secret sauce. And she was like, how do I be me? And yeah. I was totally taken aback. So I'm curious mm -hmm. for you, how would you answer that for somebody who's struggling to find their voice? Where do you begin? Yeah. So just for some background. So I was someone that grew up in a house with a lot of mental illness and very popular phrase now, but my mom was a narcissist. My dad was pretty emotionally absent. So I was someone that lost my voice at a young age. I was someone that was best if I was supporting other people. I was sort of a question asker, but I was really unseen. Like I would try and be as small as possible. So in losing my voice from that young age and really figuring out that the only way that I could be heard was by asking questions, I really developed my interview skills in the way that I am. But it was something that I never knew would be like a part of my purpose now in mm -hmm. talking about the voice and talking about communication. But when I rediscovered my voice when I was later in life, when I had gone through my divorce was really what helped me reclaim my voice and my authenticity. It was through a lot of work that I had done to find and reparent myself and really get close enough with the internal parts of my being to really hear all parts and what they were saying. Parts work and really getting to know myself in the way of parts really helped me to discover that like there's a multitude of experiences that I'm having, but how can I come back to the self, like the soul and the voice of the soul? For a lot of people, they have a lot of different voices that are their mother, their father, the media, their friends, their family, their bosses, all of these things that are telling them who to be and how to be it. I had to really take time in my life to pull back and to go into silence and to go into solitude and kind of pull myself away from friendships and relationships that were influencing me too much to rediscover my voice. Mm -hmm. And then I also discovered my voice through the podcast, but it's like a lifelong pursuit that I feel like people need to see as that because we can always lose and reclaim our voice over time. Mm, I love that. It really is a journey. Yeah. And we can continuously come back to this. Yeah. Are there any practices that help you mm -hmm. reconnect with that voice? Yeah. I think even to reconnecting with the voice and even to the question again for what she's asking, who am I? I think we can start with figuring out who you're not. You know, so many of us are working with so many stories that are not true about who we are on a daily basis. A lot of times the women that I work with think they're bad. 
They think they're unworthy. They think they're fat. Mm -hmm. They think they're not smart enough. They think they're not pretty enough. They think they're annoying. They think they're too much. They think they're all these things. So when we really can go through and like weed out the non-truths, we can be much more clear on who we are. And also remembering, I think in the pursuit of discovering who we are, or even the authentic voice, it's like the paradox of two things being true, where you are everything and nothing at once. You are God and you are not God. Like you are never really going to be like in your life, I've completely found exactly who I am probably after you pass because we are multidimensional. We change all the time. And with finding the authentic voice, I had to really, really unpack the patterns that I was in. And I think mindfulness was the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So when we're mindful of the things that we're saying, of like the conversations that we're having in our head, we can pick apart what's true and what's not. So for me, a lot of that was, People don't really care what you have to say. You know, I had the thought that people didn't care what I had to say. I had the thought that I always had to be perfect if I spoke. I had the thought that I always have to say something that's the most interesting. I had the thought that I had to say something that would be in service to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so once I was able to identify those through mindfulness, I was able to get clear on how I'd want to engage with them and then really figure out like, but who am I outside of those? Mm -hmm. Like what does little Krista have to say or what does Krista have to say in her lifetime? And then there's the body component with the voice. So I think we kind of overlook the body when we're thinking about being in our authentic voice. If we are someone that hates to be in our body, and I was someone that hated to be in my body most of my life, I would work out all the time. I would do HIIT classes all the time. I would binge eat. I would take diet pills. And so I didn't really want to be in the body. Mm -hmm. So if we're working with our body as an instrument for the voice, if we don't want to be in the body, the voice isn't going to feel comfortable moving through the body. Mm. And so I had to really work on my body relationship to feel comfortable having my body or having my voice go all the way down to my belly, breathing, relaxing into it, and being able to be in this voice rather than in this voice because it's not comfortable being in the body. So there's a physicality to the voice mm. as well. When you're comfortable with who you are, you're comfortable with your breath, you're comfortable with your body, it's so much easier to be in that authentic voice rather than in your head. Mm -hmm. It's such a subtle change what mm -hmm. you just did with your voice moving into the head, but you can feel it. You There's can you're a like, shift in the It's room. kind of stressed. You know, you're yeah. kind of like, hey guys, like, and you don't trust someone that's like mm -hmm. that. You're like, hey guys, welcome to almost 30, you know? But if someone's like coming in and they're like, hello and welcome to Almost 30. I'm so glad you're here. There's a totally different resonance. Mm -hmm. And from a spiritual perspective, that's your resonance. That's the frequency that you bring through. It's like the nexus of your mind, body, and soul because your mind is thinking the thoughts, your body is producing the vibrations, and your soul is really trying to be conveyed to the world at all times. Mm -hmm. The Mayans said that the universe is created by songs by the gods. And so we're really just creating this vocal resonance with our voice that's like such a spiritual thing mm -hmm. that we really overlook all the time. It's beautiful. So everyone, as you head into your next conversation, mm -hmm. just checking in and bringing that mindfulness into yes. play as am I in my body right now? Am mm -hmm. I even comfortable mm -hmm. being in my body or do I feel like I need to get up? Am I always mm -hmm. having to keep myself busy and eating and yep. exercising and working out? And da -da 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 -da. Yep. Just taking a deep breath even right now, <sighs> landing in and see what comes up when you speak from there. See how things change. Yeah. Uh, see how people relate to you perhaps differently. I don't know. It's so cool exploring and getting curious about these things. It is. And, you know, also too, I had to do a lot of work around trauma of being in the body. 
you know, if you've had sexual trauma or if, if you've been violated from a boundary perspective, emotionally, physically, mentally, it can be so unsafe to be in the body. Mm-hmm. And so if you're unsafe to be in the body and you're not going to be in the body, it's going to be hard to connect your voice through the body. You're not going to feel comfortable in that. So by doing, you know, various healings, it can really help you just feel a lot more grounded in the tone that's coming out when you're speaking with people. So I dove right on in there. And I, know, just, I was like, well, I'm like, at the end, we're going to talk about the voice, of yes. course. <laughs> but we just went for it. So I want to back things up just for a yes, second for yes. anybody who doesn't fully know who mm-hmm. you are already. I'm yes. sure there aren't many out there. But tell us just a little bit about how you got mm-hmm. started mm-hmm. with the Almost 30 podcast. Mm-hmm. What led you there? Okay, backing all the way up. So backing all the yes. way up. <laughs> so my name's Krista. I grew up in the Midwest in Ohio in a place where not many people did what they loved. Mm. No one really had big dreams. No one really made money being themselves. Like there was no expansive ideas of who you to be. So I got in the corporate world after college and was in jobs that I hated, life that I hated eventually moved to Los Angeles where I met Lindsay, my best friend, and I felt incredibly lost in life. I was like, God, I want to figure out what I'm doing. Like I had this burning desire. And I don't know if you have this too, like to find your purpose. I know my purpose. I feel very connected to that. Before you had it, did you feel the desire to have it? I had a raging eating disorder. I had had all the symptoms of someone who's not deeply connected, right? Which we'll dive into. But yeah, it showed up not as what's my purpose. It showed up as a lot of disordered behavior, self-sabotage, all of these things, anxiety. I had all of those. And then I had this deep desire to find my purpose. So I had this (laughs) deep desire to find my purpose, but I had met this woman, Lindsay, who became my best friend. And we just started to have these really deep connections. And I remember crossing my apartment one day and I was just walking and I heard my soul go, she's here. Like we're complete. And I was like, this is interesting. And we started to record on our closet floors, just something random. I loved podcasts. We called it almost 30 because we were almost 30. Mm -hmm. And we realized that this time period in our lives of the late 20s was so profound. You know, you're going through so much change, not only from a brain perspective, your prefrontal cortex is coming online during that time. So you're becoming conscious, but just life. Mm -hmm. You're like, what job do I want to do? Who do I want to be with? Where do I move? What's going on with my family? Like, it's like, what's going on with my body? It's just everything. People are getting married. People are getting divorced. And so we were like, let's talk about this. Like, let's just go on and just rip. So we started almost 30 in 2016. And now it's grown to like a community and brand and a whole lot of other things. But it really showed me so much about what's possible for my life. And I'm so grateful for being able to be myself in the work that I do. Like, I feel so incredibly blessed. So on that quest to finding your purpose, you didn't leave Ohio thinking, I'm going to start a podcast in California. I know exactly who I'm starting it with. It sounds like it really was following the breadcrumbs. It was following one hit, one intuitive hit, one calling, step after step. Yeah, it's it's such a reminder. And I I work with so many people that have dreams to do podcasts and whatever, but I have to say that we had no intention of monetizing. We had no intention of it being anything. We just loved talking to one another. We loved creating. We recorded for nine months before we launched on our closet floors, like practiced for nine months. Like I was working a full-time job. I just did it on the side. Like we literally did everything from scratch, made it all up, like just figured it out along the way and just did it because we loved it. Mm -hmm. And truly I had no intention or thought that this would be my life. And I 
can say that God's plan is always so much bigger than yours because even before almost 30, I wanted to be a soul cycle instructor. Mm-hmm. You know, soul cycle? Oh, yeah. So I auditioned when I was in New York City. Yes. I auditioned because I lived there for a little bit. I didn't get it. But after my audition, I was horrible on the microphone in front of the audience when mm. I performed my soul cycle song. So I started to get vocal lessons when I lived in New York. Wow. I thought it was going to be for Soul Cycle to audition again, but obviously it was for almost 30. So my vision was like, I want to be a Soul Cycle instructor, which is amazing. Lindsay was an instructor. It's a really great job, but that's how small my vision was. Right. To be a cycling instructor. Right. And God was like, no, you're not going to get that. We're going to do something bigger, but you have to be patient. You have to just follow your purpose and passion. And so it doesn't happen all the time. And it's something that like is not guaranteed, but... Yes, it was something that truly we had no plan and really turned into something that was, you know, just amazing. Incredible. Tell me about your relationship with food and your body. Yeah. So this has come up recently again, too, because... um, you know, over the holidays, mm-hmm. it's just, it's <laughs> all the things. It's just a ripe season. You're just like, okay, what's going to happen on these <laughs> yes. holidays? So my parents are separated. My mom and sister came for the holidays and I was like in shock at the conversations around body, mm. the conversations around food, the conversations around weight, the conversations comparing our bodies to one another. It was incessant. Mm -hmm. And now the perspective that I have where I'm so much more aware of the patterns that are happening was just blown away that Mm -hmm. I've made it this far. My mother and father were just obsessed with weight and body. So I grew up in a household, middle of America, small town in Ohio, and it was you have to be thin and pretty to be loved. My mom said that her biggest fear when having kids was that they'd be fat. Wow. It was just like a constant in the household. And my sister was very thin growing up. And I've always been a little curvy. I've always had my thing going on. Mm -hmm. And so I was always compared to her. So she would always be allowed desserts. I'd be never allowed desserts. I was on diet pills from a young age. She was never not. So there was always that kind of happening too. And so, you know, watching my mom and watching my dad and sort of their troubles around their body and diet – I really internalized it and realized that I have to look a certain way to be loved. I have to weigh a certain amount to be loved. So my binge eating started happening when I was like probably in ninth grade and I would binge probably for the next 10, 15 years. I would be binging, you know, off and on based on my stress, based on what was going on in my life. But it really was the worst when I was living in New York City. So I moved to New York City for a little bit. And I was working out twice a day, mm-hmm. eating four Quest bars a day, mm-hmm. walking all the time, taking diet pills, doing yeah. cocaine on the weekends, and just burning myself to the ground. And so when I moved to Los Angeles, my body just shut down. And I put on like 30 pounds in like a month and just was miserable. Like I was like the worst thing that could ever happen to someone that's living their life to not gain weight, to gain weight like that and feel out of control Mm. was just my nightmare. But it really made me face my demons and really recognize that my body was was not always going to take the beating up that I was doing, was not always going to just get smaller and smaller. 
actually needed to be cared for and loved Mm -hmm. rather than punished at all times. And so that moment forced me to really understand my hormones and my body from a different level and start to really do a lot of deep work around having a better relationship to my body. Because I thought my entire life would be consumed by thoughts about my body, Mm -hmm. how much I weighed, how many calories I had, how much I worked out, how much I binged the night before, all this, all that. And now in the past couple years through therapy and through a lot of spiritual work, it's been really beautiful. And I now feel in a place where I'm so deeply grateful for my body and recognizing how my body has always tried to do right by me. Like no matter what, if I was trying to make it smaller, if I was trying to make it curvier or whatever I would try and do, like it always tried to balance and do right by me. Mm -hmm. And it's truly been my best friend in my entire life. It's never left. It's always been there through every part of the journey. And so I'm so glad that I feel like on the other side of it, but I feel so deeply for people that are still in it because you never know if you'll be back at it at some point in time in your life because the conversation is so deeply ingrained in our culture, especially in the psyches of women. Yeah, and I mean, it often starts in the home and it starts with mom and dad who are living in the same sea of diet culture and beauty standards. And then it's reinforced over and over and over again. So I can imagine this girl growing up in that type of household and then going to New York and dreaming of becoming a soul cycle Mm -hmm. teacher. When we look at the fitness industry and the individuals who are primarily leading that, who are all amazing people, but there is and has been, and especially, you know, 10 years ago, a very specific body type that you would have had to try to mold into. Yes. When you didn't get the the job at Soul Cycle, did you have any thoughts about I didn't get it because of my body? For sure. You did. Yeah, yeah. At that time I was so tiny. I remember I got my body fat weighed before I, I auditioned and I was like a certain amount of body fat. And I was like, oh I need to be more. And they're like, what for what? They're mm-hmm. like, are you a fitness competitor? Like, what are you? But it was always the more. And I'll never forget, I was on a walk with my friend Adam and I was like, I need to be three pounds lighter because I had this goal number in mind. Mm-hmm. And that goal number meant I would get the soul cycle job. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because when you hit that goal number, everything happens for you. Right. Life doors open, life is good. <laughs> you find your prince, you make millions. And he's like, You've been saying that ever since I've known you. Mm -hmm. He's like, you've always said that there's three pounds more. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it had not registered to me. And I was like, whoa, I have been on this chase. It made me think I needed to have more abs. (laughs) It made me think my arms needed to be more tough. It made me go in a whole thing. But it was weird because I knew there was an aspect of my body that impacted if I got it or not. But I really, it was my voice on the microphone. I was so uncomfortable. I heard my voice projected to a room and was like a weirdo. It's amazing when you're looking through that lens of I need to lose whatever that number is yes. or I need the abs to be different, how all of a sudden every choice, every decision, every no becomes about the body. It's because I weigh this much that date didn't go well. It's because my body looks like this that I didn't get the promotion or the job. It literally changes the way that we see everything yep. and experience everything in our life. This is why I'm so passionate about helping women overcome their struggle with food and their body because when you do, it really opens the door in every single area of your life. 100%. It's like, I always say that. It's like, for me, I always see the the mother wound as like the linchpin of it Mm -hmm. because the mother wound is really, our relationship to our mother sets the stage for every relationship in our life. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, we saw our mothers 
talk horribly about their bodies, Mm -hmm. speak horribly about people that were fat or whatever they're saying. And that became our basis. But yeah, when we don't have a good relationship with our body, we're never going to be able to be in our power. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be able to be in relationships where we truly feel like are reciprocal and loving and authentic and deep Mm -hmm. because we don't have the ability to be authentic and loving to our bodies and ourselves. Friendships get hard. Jobs get hard. It's just, it makes life so much more of a battle and so much less enjoyable when you hate the body that you're in all the way through it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, this may be a sensitive subject, but yeah. I think we've all had a friend who had an eating disorder at some point. And oftentimes it's anorexia. They're not mm-hmm. eating, they're overexercising. Yeah. You know that they're doing that. But there is this component of binge eating, which mm-hmm. is very rarely talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so much shame about it when it happens, that it's this unspoken thing that's occurring, yeah. right? It's almost glamorized in some ways to not eat or to eat less. Totally. Less so nowadays, luckily. Totally. But binging in front of somebody or sharing that part of yourself that feels really raw. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of glamour there. There's not a lot of glorification of it. Can you share what binging looked like for you? So binging looked like for me when I was in high school, it was because my mom was so strict, we could never have unhealthy foods. We could never have soda. We could never have fast food. We basically ate diet processed food my entire life. So like slim fasts, like aspartame yogurt, string cheese, whatever was Weight Watchers approved, whatever was low fat, we had it. So I was freaking starving, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it was like fast food at that time. But then when I got older and I discovered healthy food and I discovered wellness, it became wellness food, became healthy food. I would eat like seven Quest bars a day. Mm -hmm. I would eat like an entire jar of peanut butter. I would eat like four Halo Tops. I would eat just like all healthy food, Mm -hmm. but so much of it that I would feel sick and I would feel sluggish and I would feel just, it's not correct to feel, but I would feel disgusting. We have such as a culture, like there's so much disgust around gluttony Mm -hmm. and being overweight or being fat that we have as a culture. So when you see someone or even yourself, you're like, this is disgusting. Mm -hmm. You think that you are disgusting, but if you're not eating, you are you know, in quotes, on your way to success. Because we know that eating, if you want to be thin, is not going to get you there. Mm. So there is like a glamorization of anorexia. But with binging, it's like that is like the most shameful and disgusting. Mm. Mm. And it's weird because I I drank because I was from Ohio. And um, (laughs) I didn't drink that much. But it's weird because I would never binge when I drank. Ever, which is I so, would, I most would. people For would. Sure. That would be like I'm going to the convenience store. I'm getting like seven bags of chips. Yeah, what was your vibe? So I was anorexic first, and okay. then when I came out of the hospital, I was trying to eat clean and eat really healthy during the day. And by the end of the day, my body was starving. I needed yeah. food. And so I would completely almost dissociate. And I would go through yeah. McDonald's drive-throughs. I would eat like an entire yeah. box of cereal. I would have peanut butter by the spoonfuls. And that feeling that you're describing of disgust, I mean, I can still Uh feel that come up in my body when we talk about it. Just so much shame, which for a lot of people is then what causes them to purge. I could never get myself to do that. I tried, but, and I'm I'm very grateful that I couldn't because I feel like it's such a quick release Mm -hmm. that I could see how it would become very addictive and 
could follow you for a long time. So the amount of shame that I carried and that shame that lived in my body obviously impacts the thoughts that you have. So you look at yourself in the mirror Mm -hmm. after eating like that or the next day and all you can see is disgust, disgusting, Mm -hmm. gross. I could only see the cellulite. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. a tall, lean girl. This Mm -hmm. is not what I saw in the mirror Mm -hmm. the next day. Yeah. The body dysmorphia is so crazy, Mm -hmm. like of looking at that too. And the disassociation is so key. It would be like almost something would take me over. Yep. From like a part's perspective, it's like there was a part that was taken over, but it's like almost something it would be like, oh, it's happening. Yeah. Autopilot. Autopilot. There's no stopping it. Oh my God. There's no... No stopping it. I remember when I was living at home for a brief moment, waiting for my parents to leave and knowing it was going to happen. And... I'd be like driving home and I'd be like, it's on. (laughs) Yes. It's on. And you want no one to be around. No one can be around. People would be like, you eat so well. And I'd be like, you don't know what I do when I'm alone. Exactly. (laughs) Literally, I'd be like, stop saying that because I'm doing crazy things. When I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when you came to LA and gained that 30 pounds, was it from binging or did your body and hormones were they basically just like, both. I was both. The binging was really bad at that time. I was just burning myself out. I was working a full-time job in downtown LA that I didn't like. I was building almost 30. So we were doing that almost all the time. I was trying to work out a 400 times a week. And I was just like really pushing myself. And then my hormones were completely out of whack. My cortisol was so out of whack. My hormones were just shot. So I thought it was a lot water weight too from holding on to everything. My adrenals were all messed up. So it was like a combination of both. But of course it made me like work out harder, you know, because that's what you do. You're like, this is not working. Like I need to do more. And that was something I've had to reframe over my journey where we always think that more is better you know, more healthy foods or like more vitamins, more supplements, more whatever, more working out. And it's like, no, it's actually like simple. Mm -hmm. Simple is safe. Mm -hmm. Like being simple about your diet and your health and your wellness is like actually usually the best thing. I think a lot of people right now are feeling so overwhelmed by the number of wellness things that they quote unquote should be doing between the infrared saunas and the masks Mm -hmm. and the this food and be vegetarian and then no, you need animal protein and all of the things. So when you started that healing journey, was there a moment Mm. when you were like, I'm done with this Mm -hmm. or was it an unfolding? What did Mm. that look like? It happened slowly. And I think honestly, it happened more so when I shifted my focus to my purpose Mm rather than so much on the body. So I'm so grateful that I found something in life that was fulfilling me in a way that I could focus less on food. Because when I was living out of alignment in so many areas of my life, food was my only happiness. Mm -hmm. Literally, I remember saying to a friend one time, this is the happiest I will be. And that was when I'm binging. Honestly, from a brain perspective, it's probably true. You know, you're just going crazy. But when I was able to find happiness and peace outside of that, I was able to really shift my focus from food. But then it also became something where my spiritual path was in support of that. So as my podcast was starting, my spiritual journey was sort of happening. And spirituality for me is like reconnecting with myself, reconnecting with God, reconnecting with other. And that was like really taking off where I was like, oh, I'm more than my body. Mm -hmm. Like I could see myself as more than my body and I could see energy or I could see things that were outside of just the focus on the body, which made things so much easier. So it wasn't an overnight thing. It was something that was super slow. It was almost like I woke up one day and was like, wow, I'm feeling 
so much better. Mm-hmm. But I think about, you know, just to the point of like, there's so many things that people can do, like the infrared sauna and the masks and all these things. And because I've had the podcast for so long and I've been in the wellness and spirituality space for so long, I've been privy to so much. What has helped me with that is really thinking about like, if I'm going to approach something like doing an infrared sauna, what is the outcome that I want? And if I'm thinking like, I want to be prettier, I want to be hotter, I want to have better skin. It's like being outcome-based with everything is not a way to Mm self-love. To think that it's going to make me different or change me is not a way to approach these things. If we're doing it out of a true generosity of self and a true love of self, then we can move forward with it. Like I'm going to go in a salt bath because it really feels nourishing for me to be in silence and to reconnect with my soul. I'm going to go for a walk because that's what feels good for my body, not because I want my body to look a certain way. So I think it can really help clear everything out if we really think about like what our intention is with things instead of thinking about the goal at the end. Yes, 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 yes. And when we think about what it is that we're chasing yes. with the weight, with the size of our body. Yes. What is the feeling that you desire? And are there ways for you to start embodying that feeling now? Yes. Oftentimes when I ask clients, what is it that you want to feel in your body? Like, why is it important for you to lose that 15 pounds? It's that they want to feel more confident. They want to feel more comfortable in their body. They don't want to feel held back in life Mm -hmm. anymore. So they want to be able to get on that dating app or show up differently Mm -hmm. at work. And so we'll often practice Mm -hmm. starting that now. And saunas and salt baths and beautiful candlelit meditations Mm -hmm. can support in that and, and can help bring us home to that. But there are often also really simple ways that we can do it mm-hmm. without spending thousands of dollars mm-hmm. too. And so. not waiting till you get there because yes. we're never there. Yeah. Like the mind is always like, oh wait, we're not done. Yes. We could be more. Yes. Even at the risk of sounding highly unrelatable right now, I noticed after having my kids, I lost weight. I, yeah. I really had a tough time with anxiety mm-hmm. and severe postpartum anxiety and panic attacks And I found myself in a different place where I was like, I have to gain weight. I can't show up right now. Like my body's not relatable. I'm Mm. I'm in a body that's wrong to be having these conversations about body positivity. And I realized with time, oh, I'm I'm still in that space. It's just reversed where my body is not enough, where I need to be different than I am right now in order to show up. And that was so freeing. Yes. To come to that awareness. Yes. I mean, that's everything. Like to have the mindfulness of that and be like, whoa, what's going on here? This isn't right. And there's just such a journey with motherhood of that dichotomy of the judgment and the shame and the guilt and the is like a whole journey. Okay. I love this. So today, sitting here right now, you spoke about the holidays and going mm-hmm. back and seeing mom and sister mm-hmm. and all this stuff coming to the surface that's Love been them. there the whole time. Mm-hmm. How do you feel in your body now? Mm. I feel, and it's, it's crazy too because there's the part of me that wants to be like, explain and say like, oh, it hasn't been like this. I've hated my body forever and apologize, but I feel amazing in my body. Mm-hmm. I feel so deeply grateful and grounded and myself. And yeah, it's just been amazing. It's also been post-divorce and reclaiming my sexuality, 
reclaiming like my own energy field and doing a lot of work around like my boundaries and things like that, that have also really contributed to like, okay, this is my body. It's Mm -hmm. a pleasure portal. It's for my divinity. It's for my voice. It's like the space of creation. Like just seeing it for so much more than the weight has really also helped that. I'm curious for individuals who are listening in that space where they're like, oh my God, I'm binge eating. Maybe they're even just realizing through this conversation Mm -hmm. that that's what they're doing. Yeah. What would you recommend as a starting Mm. point in that healing journey? Like where, what's the first step? Where do they begin? Mm. I think what was so helpful for me in binging was recognizing and having the reframe that the binging was serving me in some way. Because before I was like, binging is ruining my life. It's making me be in a body I don't want. It's embarrassing me. It's causing me shame. It's causing me guilt. But when I started to do work in therapy and through internal family systems, just recognizing that like, oh, actually binging was comforting me. Binging was helping soothe me. Binging was the way that little Krista figured out how to self-soothe and Mm -hmm. figured out how to comfort herself. And so I was using this outdated mechanism for self-soothing and for regulation that no longer fit in my life because that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And so when I could bring loving awareness to that part of me that was binging for comfort and to regulate herself, it just unlocked the like compassion that I had for the desire to take care of myself. And I was like, oh, wow, she just wants to take care of me and love me. And this is all she knows. So how can I love her, honor her, respect her, but also give her other ways to do that? Mm. How can I regulate? How can I self-soothe? How can I help her to be with her really big emotions and not stuff them and use her voice? And so it was like that double-pronged approach that really, really helped me to move through binging where I haven't binged in like probably three years, which is good. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Coming full circle, that last episode that I listened to on the podcast about mm-hmm. finding your voice, you and Lindsay are chatting about it. And you said that you used to shove your voice down with food. Yeah. And so now you're in this space where you're, it sounds like so much more mm-hmm. embodied in who you mm-hmm. are and your message to the world mm-hmm. and letting your voice be heard. If you could say something that was going mm-hmm. to be heard by every woman in the world, mm-hmm. what would you want to tell her? I think about the voice. It would be that this like unique resonance of the soul has been given to you at birth and it's like your duty to use it and to use your voice and to be able to express yourself and that the voice is really the crux of having the life that you want. It's the crux of deep intimate relationships, expressing yourself and your creativity of saying how you feel like a voice can make us fall in love can break our hearts. It's like the most powerful thing. So really getting to know intimately your unique resonance and frequency, I think will change, change anyone's life. Mm. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. This has been so much fun. You're just such a pleasure and like have such an amazing voice, honestly, for the podcast. Like you have so much energy and life and you just have like a very clear desire to help people. It's so refreshing to see because in this space, it's not always the case. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much. Thank you for being here. And just one last reminder before you sign off today to click the link down in the show notes and grab your free guide, 55 Ways to Feel Better in Your Body. 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Rob Beauty Talks community at Rob Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.